Hey everyone, this is Dave Cohen on Guitar Tales. Rob Balducci, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, how you doing? Thanks so much for having me. Great. You know, just for the first time ever, I put this guy on right here. He is our <laughs> thirty-second guest on the show. All right, leave hey, Bo, how you doing? <laughs> so um, I am thrilled to have you. You are, um, I think, our second shredder. Um, guitar guest uh, we had the great Steve Bello on um in season one and I think we're I think we're in season four at this point now um I had a lot of fun looking around YouTube checking out a lot of your videos I know you're really into gear and as a little bit of a clue I could just look behind you right now <laughs> I could see it's a great gear stuff yeah it's a it's a it's it's the disease you know it's a wonderful disease yeah in my <laughs> Yeah, you got all sorts of great stuff there. Look at that. So, so what I like and what I noticed, I think in one of your videos, you have a glass case with effects right next to you. Yeah. Let me yeah, hear about right. that one. Well, you know, I, I, I was. This is a, a recently new uh, studio that we ha I have in in a in a in a where we recently moved my wife and I. So right, right. I had to make one of the rooms like some uh, basically a studio headquarters. So uh, looks great. Yeah, when we were setting it up, I, you know, I, I have so many pedals, you know, I still have some of the first pedals from when I was a kid. So I was like, I gotta I want somewhere to put them because in my I, I, I my other place, everything was unorganized. So I said, you know, the new place I'm starting fresh, I'm going to do it nice. So, it looks uh, great. Yeah, we found I found this in uh, IKEA. I was going to ask, you know, in its regular life or its intended wow. use, what what do you think that's for? Is it like for curios, for like glasses? I I think either that or it's like somebody that like maybe has a collection of of uh, you know some glasses or figurines or something. Yeah, it looks really cool. I like <laughs> I like that a lot, and <laughs> I had a feeling Bo was going to be a little difficult with this tonight. Hey, before I forget, um, let's toast each other. Yeah, I, cheers. I mean, with you. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us. So, so I see you've, so you've got that, that rack right there with all the effects. Now, what are your favorite kind of effects that you work with these days? Well, well you know, I, you know, as a guitar player, for some, for some reason, I always had a thing with like overdrive pedals. So I do have a, tons of overdrive pedals. Uh, the newest overdrive pedal that I have that I really do like a lot is the new Vemoram. Okay. Uh, it's a Vemoram Tube Screamer. They did a thing with Ibanez uh, combination. And I mean, it just sounds it sounds great. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, I've told this. Oh, go on. Go, go on. Ahead. Oh, yeah. No. And I, uh, you know, I'm thinking about stuff that I used on, on uh, my latest recording. Like, uh, I really like the Eventide H9. I use that a lot. Right. And... Um, Keely has a pedal called the Keely Electronics has a pedal called the Monterey, which okay. I really dig. Oh, that's very cool. You know, I, I think I told the story once on Guitar Tales. As a teenager, I found somewhere a one watt amplifier and I, I figured out a way to connect it to an AC current. I built an input and an output with quarter inch jacks and I basically built a one watt amplifier that I used as an overdrive. So I, I sort of built it like a guitar special effect, but what it was really doing was, you know, getting the, the the basic input from the guitar, which isn't boosted, and then exporting a one watt signal, and then taking that one watt signal and putting it fresh into the input of a guitar amp. 
and and you know no no controls on it that's all it was just you either used it or you didn't and it worked great yeah i mean you know low wattage stuff sounds really good and you probably got a nice like uh natural like uh, overdrive in it if you pushed it a little bit farther, right? it did it was beautiful and I, I just love the whole concept but you know there was a time before you and i were born or maybe when we were first born uh where there was no such thing you know yeah and then at some point, you know, the kinks, they, um, I think Ray Davies used to slice his speakers up to create some cool sound. You know, Jimmy was playing with his sun amps and his marshals and all that. Yeah. But, but at some point, somebody realized that instead of a clean signal, putting your amp or your preamp through its paces and hurting it a little bit can create some truly amazing tones. Yeah. And, and I love that we've built this entire industry that finds these great creative ways um, to to get us those tones. I mean, I mean, think about what Jimmy did all those years ago. He he would just get an entire room. I, I, was he Sun or was he Marshall? He he used he used Marshall, but I think he might have used Sun at some point. But Marshall was the big thing. Right. The overdrive. Right. And then he would, you know, whatever, however many decibels. I'm sure had he lived, his hearing would have been worse than Pete Townsend's. You know. Yeah. And just the, the, to create that sonic internal noise with the feedback and the louder the amp is, the louder your strings vibrate and then it goes back and forth. Or even just putting your guitar in front of your amp to create feedback. You know, yeah. it, it's very cool. And I love that you're into the science of that and all the different tones. Yeah, well, you know, the, 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 there's there's that one aspect of it, but there's also what you, what you were just bringing up about small watt amps like, I think I was reading something about, you know, everyone's got to be a Jimmy Page fan. I was a big Jimmy Page fan as yeah. a kid. So, you know, like when you listen to the first record and communication breakdown, you think that's like, you know, it's a big amp, but it was a, it was a little Fender, you know, amp. Oh, really? Well, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, like a champ or something like that. Well, I heard that champ, I read as a teenager again, someone had told me or I read somewhere that champ amps or the little Princeton amp yeah. We're in more recordings than almost any other amp, like in the studio. Yeah. Because there were yeah. these beautiful little, whatever, 20 watt tube amps, I'm assuming with a 12 or a 10. Right. You know, that just created phenomenal sound, absolutely phenomenal sound. But yeah, I love the, you, know, you put them through their paces. I, I haven't heard anything since the kinks about actually, other than a Leslie where you move the speaker. Yeah. But the idea of literally slicing up a speaker is pretty creative. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good stuff. I apologize for the pooch right now. He's oh, <laughs> very jealous. Um, and then, now, what do you have on the rack next to your uh, pedals? The rack next to, or, or not to the oh, right there? Yeah, what do you yeah. have on there? So those are those are heads that I've had, you know, that I've accumulated over over the years. So uh, there's a Cornford uh, amp on the bottom, right. Then there are next up is a Soldano, uh, the Hot Rod 50 plus. Um, then you go up again and it's some mess it's like an Mesa Boogie amp switcher. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a Eggnator there that I that I borrowed from a buddy of mine. Then uh, on the top is a Mesa Boogie mini rectifier. And next to it, if you could see that white at the yeah, top. I that's a Brian May like mini head that he came out with through Vox and they don't make it anymore. It's I would love to hear about that. And I also want to talk a little about Boogie because I've mistold 
on this show a number of times the the, the origin story of Mesa Boogie. I know it's something like he played a trick on a friend by putting a, basically a marshal into a champ amp or something like that. Do you know the real story of how Boogie? <laughs> I, I, I don't know the real story. I just know that I, I just know like from talking to people that do amps right. and stuff. You know, I'm not too much on the technical end of that, but I right. I do know that supposedly it's uh you know it's based as it's based off a fender amp i think right that's what and, i heard. and then he just kind of modded it yeah it, it's a, and the idea i guess is that you have a gigantic amp inside of a little amp like all the perform it's it would be like putting like a corvette 450 engine into a pinto or something like that <laughs> that's my understanding of it now what the tell me about the brian may amp because i was actually going to bring him up a moment ago you know you think about brian may who is just a wonderful guitar player but a technological genius and who's the guy who created the rockman amp from boston who's that again uh, tom schultz yeah right schultz right right and you got like schultz went to mit you yeah. know like yeah just brilliant people so what is the brian may amp because no one has duplicated his sound as far now as the, well, you know this this was something that fox came out with a couple of years it was a while ago i had maybe 2000 for something right. like that they came out with this little this little lamp but basically what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to replicate his treble booster so you could use it actually some somewhat to what you were saying before so you could use it it's a very small it's a low watt maybe it's five watts I'm, i don't know right. and uh you could actually run it into an amp as a gain stage so and like to boost an already uh -huh. overdriven amp or you could use it by itself and it sounds like great like i if you plug that into a 412 bottom it sounds like amazing wow that's it's, pretty... o, it's only it's only volume and tone nothing else on it oh i love it yeah there's something and brian may like you know every so often we get these guitar players i mean obviously eddie's in that class too where they forgetting their virtuosity on guitar where they 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 come up with these tones that are just so amazing and so interesting and, and yeah. Brian May, you know, did with Queen, it, it, it's just outstanding. Yeah. Uh, so let me switch gears a little bit. Let me talk about you. I understand <laughs> you might be a guitar player. <laughs> yes. So uh, <laughs> when did you start? Are you uh, someone who started in like grade school a little later? Yeah, I, st I started, you know, um, basically I was introduced to a uh, uh, to the guitar by my uh, I have I have th I have three older sisters so my older sister used to play like an, a, a Sokovia acoustic guitar that she had oh, really? and uh I like I will teach you how to play guitar guy right yeah well you know she it wasn't really pushed or anything I, I saw her playing and she used to sing at like family things and I think she might have did something like a church thing or something ah, and, uh, okay and I I started to you know interested it maybe around eight nine years old and then like maybe 10 or 11 years old is when i really started to have an interest in it so that's really well, kind of when i started so that's nice and young i mean we've had some people on who started as teenagers or even young adults yeah. um, but that's fantastic um, yeah when did you know this i'm going to ask you to put humility aside for for a moment because i know you're a shredder and i know i've, I've watched when did you sort of get the sense hey i might be pretty damn good at this you know what, at what age were you feeling that um well the, i, I to be honest with you I, <laughs> I come from like a a, a 
school of that you can, you can't really have a, an attitude that in that way that you think that you're good or something. There's there's two there's two ways. I, I learned this from I a from a teacher. That. I learned this from a teacher. You yeah. have to have confidence and you have to believe in yourself because when you're playing in front of an audience, you have to, you know, if you, if you go up there and you have no confidence, you're not going to be able to do it. So right, right, there's right. that's there's that that's one separate thing. And that's like, you know, a whole totally separate bag. And then there's the other thing about, you know, having an ego or something about how you play. And I think that's like, I think that's any musician, not only a guitar player, I think that's the worst thing to do because if you yeah. think that you're that good, then you never learn. And to me, I always, I'm learning every something new every day. You know, I teach a lot. I mean, one of the things about cool about teaching is you act, I actually learn from a student, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. everyone looks the guitar a different way, which I think is an amazing thing. So if I showed you a, a blues pattern and I had a blues pattern, we had a kid here, blues pattern, you're going to play, even though it's the same notes, you're going to play something different. He will, I will. And that's the magic. That's fantastic. And at, while you're giving me that response, which I truly, truly organically appreciate, I will retool my question. All right. <laughs> when was it that you thought, hey, I might want to do this professionally? I mean, I, th I think early on, uh, you know, one thing that I did bring up early when we saw about the age there's there's uh when i was around i think 10 or 11 i actually came down with uh type 1 juvenile diabetes oh wow so that was sort of like i came down with that and that's sort of when i started to get into the guitar and wow. um that kind of was the guitar was sort of my ex escape you know so i it was really like all i kind of did for the first couple of years you know when i was doing it you know from from you know, instead of going out, you know, I would be sitting home 14, 15, you know, come home from school and that's all I would do, you know, for years. Mm -hmm. So at that point, when I saw that, you know, there's something about uh, learning, learning an instrument, any, any instrument really is a focus that you have to put into it. And right. I think it, it uh, that's why I think that uh, music is so important, even with, with uh, regular school uh school stuff because Absolutely. playing playing a, an instrument there's a certain focus that you need and if you apply that focus to your your grades and your your school your schooling there's it, it definitely you can adapt that to to your scholastic stuff so it actually actually really helped me and um you know i started to know that this, this is what i wanted to do just because it made me that was my escape and it made me feel good so you want to do something that makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I kind of I kind of knew early on. So you know what you know what I, one of the things I like about that story is that you, you took what was and certainly could have been an adversity in your life, which is the diagnosis of the diabetes. But then on some strange level, the diabetes took care of you, and, yeah. and you know sort of forced you, you know, to be you know. Potentially more sedentary, or maybe just sort of focused on your health more than running around and being more, say, physically or outwardly active. But then it gave you this amazing gift. It gave you, it literally gave you the gift of music. Yeah, know? for sure, definitely did. That that that's super cool. And then now in high school, um, did you take the route where you were in bands and and doing the cover tunes and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, you know, I still I was in a band early, so I I I was in a band at like 14 years old 
Okay. And uh, everybody else was older than me, like 18, in their 18 and 19 years old. And uh, we started playing around. Uh, and, you know, I couldn't, I really, they wouldn't allow me in the venues. So I right. had to bring a chaperone. So my father used to come with me all the time. He oh, would that's drive fantastic. me. He would be the chaperone. So that, that continued for years because, you know, I was playing for a while. Um, well, are you a Jersey guy? Or are you from New York? Uh, Queens. Yeah, I, I heard a little New York in here. My family's from Brooklyn. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I'm thinking you, you look younger than I do. So by the time you're of age, everywhere it's 21, right? Right. I had I was chasing it when I was 18. Let me think. When I was 18, they lowered it to 19. And right before I turned 19, they raised the drinking age to 20. And right before <laughs> I was 20, they raised the drinking age to 21. So I kept chasing it. But I had a fake ID, so that helped. But yeah. um but yeah, so if you're in a band at 14, so that that's that's seven years yeah. that you can't legally, at least on your own, be in any of those venues if they had alcohol. Yeah, my father would take me everywhere. That's, that's excellent. He was very supportive, my both my parents. Now, now, even though you were raised to be and continue to be humble, you just shared something with me. If you're 14 and you're in bands with people who are 18 and up, that tells me you're good, you know? <laughs> um that, well, the, you know, you know, you know, you know but part, really the, the whole de the deal about that is it's always good to uh, to play with uh, players that are better than you. Because oh, absolutely. Because you, you get that's how you progress. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know if it means anything, but every band I've ever been in, I've been the worst musician. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if I did my design, but that's how it or if it has anything to do with the fact that I'm not good. But, uh, but it sort of played out like that. Uh, with one exception, though, when I was the same age, when I was 14, I was with some older guys in a band called Bloody Smegma. Yes, I, <laughs> I was like that. Our band, and we, we were a punk band in 19, I think, 79 or maybe 78, 79. And, and they were older. They were worse than I was. They didn't even tune their instruments. <laughs> uh, although later, years later, they actually put out a couple of EPs. Wow. And they did OK for themselves. They actually got pretty good. Um, so, so you're in high school, you're, you're playing gigs you're, and you're, you're not just playing at high school events. You're playing in real venues. Like, yeah, we're playing bars. We're playing, you know, there, there, you know, there was, there was a bunch of clubs in New York and Long Island, Queens. Right. Now, now what's interesting, I'm wondering, um, so you've got these older guys and maybe gals in the band, but you're a 14 year old kid with dad. So at that age, you're not sort of, I'm guessing, and you could correct me if I'm wrong. You're not really at that juncture partaking in the rock and roll lifestyle, right? No, no, definitely not. It's like, you know, we, we go down to the gig and, you know, I would do my thing, you know, and uh, my father was was cool, though. You know, he would hang out with with the, right. with us in the band and stuff. But, you know, I, I once I started, to, but I can't lie, like once you get once I got to like 16, 17, of course, I would they would sneak me the beers or something and I would right, right, right. say <laughs> yeah, not, not at 14. <laughs> not at 14, but I would think by 17, 18, 19, yeah. whether you had your fake idea or you just sort of got in or what have you. Yeah. Um, that, that because, you know, you're not just in a band on a stage in a bar. You're in a band um, on stage in a bar playing either rhythm or maybe even at that point lead guitar. So that makes you probably the second most visible person next to the singer, right? Yeah. You know, as a rhythm guitar player in college, you know, no one was interested in me. But, um, <laughs> but as a lead guitar player, 
and you're playing in real venues, you're getting attention at that point, right? Well, yeah, it would, it would be, a lot, a lot of times it would be, you know, uh, look at the young kid, you know, playing, oh, right, uh, right, right. playing, playing the, the uh, Black Sabbath solo to, you know, Neon Knights or something, right, you know, right. they'll be like, wow, you know, and then it would be like, you know, it, would cool, it was cool because a lot of the girls would be like, oh, he's so cute, he's a young kid. Right, right. <laughs> you, you suffered from what I did, which is a baby face, right? Yeah. <laughs> You were 19 looking you were like you were 25 you were looking yeah that's how i exactly. was exactly yeah so um so you're doing that through high school and, and and beyond um and then did when did you start to segue into original work well i st i started to uh, like i started to write early on and get ideas and i would put them on like uh I would put it on like a regular, you know, one of those old cassette players, and I, I would put it on the cassette players. And then eventually, I got I got like a Tascam uh, four which track, is, which which I still have down which here. Which is better corner. than the Fostex. Yeah. We I and, had a uh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, I just started to get some ideas and put it down, and uh, you know, I I was at that time I was starting to get into, you know, stuff from like my sister, and I heard like. Jeff Beck instrumental stuff mm -hmm. um and you know that kind of like I and, and and to be honest with you through my career of being in a band with cover bands there was always it's like the lead singer disease thing there's always a there was always a problem with the singer so at, at one point maybe uh maybe around 18 or 19 you know eight between 18 and 20 I, I kind of got fed up with the the whole idea of the dealing with the dealing with the uh with that kind of the ego stuff. yeah so i said you know what i'm gonna start to think about this instrumental thing and uh you know i think it was it was in college and i met a drummer uh and we was in a cover band as well at that point and then we i started to do originals and we put like a trio together and it's interesting that the uh it was me it was the drummer Keith Caramello, and uh, the bass player was a guy named Dan Miranda, who actually is he actually ended up playing in um, in Queen, you know, for when they did those those shows. Oh, really? Yeah, he's on my first album. He's he's a really that's great very bass cool. Player. Yeah. So I mean, we started. To, I started to get the itch to do the instrumental thing, and that we call at that point that we the the name of the band was called Max. Uh, and then I ended up changing it in when the, in like around 1990 something, I, the band started to, uh, I started to get some interest and we started to do the, got like a thing to do a, my first record. And the, we, I was talking with the label and, and the people there and they, they thought that it would be better to change it to my name. So that's, that's what we did. And then it ended up just staying that way. Right. Well, you know, that, I think what happens sometimes is that when people have, the right combination of devotion talent and and, and work ethic it, it it just becomes natural that they're there that person is the draw and if you have to brand it you know you can pick a random name you, you know you could pick foresight or some weird name like right. that but 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 if you are the draw you're the glue that it, it makes the most sense to do that yeah i mean i I, I I don't think at that at that time I, I think some of the band members not may not have been happy about it, but yeah. you know throughout the throughout the years you know it you know the, it things change. I mean I I change 
I, I throughout my career I've changed bands a lot. Like each record actually had most of the time had a different band on it. Uh, most recently, the band that I have currently that did the new record with me, we've been together actually for a while. It's probably around the past eight years. Yeah, and let me let me take this opportunity to mention it. The name of the album is Transcendence. Yes. And you are ridiculously easy to find on social media, but let me put it out there. Your name is Rob Balducci. You have robbalducci.com. You've got a Facebook page. You're on Spotify. You've got, I forgot to write it down, but you had a very cool um, tech page. It was something like something zone, maybe, where you were reviewing. I know you did an unboxing on one of them. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the YouTube. It's like years. My, my it's rob Balducci, it's, something it's called gear tone sanctuary gear tone, that's it yeah yeah so you're very easy to find so having listened to it i'm going to tell our guitar tales friends and family check it out uh you were kind enough to send us um an advanced download of your album um and i also was able to take a look at some of the stuff on youtube including another video um Rob is a guy who works very hard on his craft and I'm really conscientiously coming up with musical tones and melodies that I think are really interesting and I think you guys will appreciate. Uh, So people on the 7th, I don't know when we'll air, we might end up airing a little after the release of your album, we'll have to see because we'll have to go into post, but how can people find your album? Well, you could, there's two two different ways for the, People that still, I, I'm still a physical person. So if some people that want a physical product, you can go to robbaldici.com. The CD's on there. It's actually a brand new website. So definitely check it out. Um, yeah. And I have like things on there where you could buy the new record and you get like some of the other, a couple of the other records that I've done before. You can get them almost like at half price if you do a bundle. So definitely check that out. Okay. Um, and then of course, so let me cut you off. When people look up Balducci, it's R-O-B. I'm looking at my notes here. You can see my eyes are getting inverted. <laughs> R-O-B, another B. So R-O-B-B-A-L-D-U-C-C-I.com, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So Thank when you. you look up Rob Balducci, it's two Bs in the middle of that. But go on. Yes. Um, so that's where you can get the physical stuff. And then, of course, you know, nowadays, you can, as of the 7th, January 7th, you'll be able to get it on the download sites. It will be on Spotify. It'll right. be on iTunes. It'll be on Amazon. And, you know, what? there's there's a tons of other ones, but it, it'll be on all of them. That's fantastic. So, you know what I'm thinking of right now? Talk to us a little bit about what, what it means in 2022 to release. And I'm doing the air quote for those. We, we, we do a podcast, too, so people might not see it. But I'm doing an air quote here. An album compared to what an album meant, say, 15, 20 years ago, because they're very different animals. Now, in terms of your life as a musician, making a living off of this, right? Um, the experience of someone who, who is a consumer of music, right? Right. What does it mean to you right now to release an album? Well, you know, to, to be honest with you, the, as an artist, the, the, it's never... It hasn't changed. I mean, right, you right. work. You work on something. You you uh, you know each each one of my records is like a you know I see it as a time capsule of a certain period in my life. Right. So this captures the new album. Transcendence captured a certain period. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a. Uh, I'm an independent artist. So let's get that clear. It's like I'm not like. 
I'm, I, and, and that exactly what it is. I'm an artist. I'm not doing this. If yeah, I would have gotten into, into this to make like, to be a lot of money, I would have quit a long time ago. Yeah. You know, like uh, Frank Zappa said once, uh, if you watch that new documentary, I always think about this. And he was like, if you're going to be an original artist, and this was back when he was starting out, okay. you want to play original music, you better have a backup uh, day job to, to go with it because it's, it's very hard especially yeah. at doing instrumental guitar rock. So, um, yeah. so, you know, it's the same for me because it's, it's releasing my art. It's releasing stuff that I'm uh, stuff. That's very personal to me. It's, it's kind of my style that the, the, I feel that my music is, has a very personal edge to it, which I think is good because there's an emotion involved in the writing, you know, shred, but it's, it's really not shred. I call, uh, Guitar World did a quote for my first record, and they called it "hummable shred." So basically, it's <laughs> like it's that. it's melodic. You know what I mean? And and there's yeah. and it's written like there was a singer. So that's that that end of it. As an artist, it's great. I'm I'm always excited to release new music. Now in 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 2022, it's it's kind of a different story because you know you got the whole thing where you're not really making that much money from. Yeah all the streaming stuff um so i mean i i don't i i don't know i'm i'm a, i think there's there's maybe there's there's going to be there might be a change in, in, in moving forward and maybe the way the, the the music uh community deals with this kind of stuff because right now mm -hmm. i mean artists are not making money off of streaming um you know i did recently you know something to talk about is i did get involved with this new website that i did and it's done through a company called rewardmusic.com which is okay. was a company started by dweezil zapper and a partner and basically what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to put the money back in the artist's hand so when people go to my website and they buy the stuff uh you know it's going to me and if you sign right. up if you sign up you get like breaks on stuff that you buy and eventually what i'm going to have is i'm going to have the download stuff exact to be able to download directly from my set website so the money goes directly to me and you don't have to share it with spotify and all these people well, that's interesting so i mean i think that's probably the the, the way it's going to go the only thing is it's you know it's a catch-22 because Right now, anyone can really release a record the way things are, and you can get it on all these streaming sites. But if you're a huge band like, I don't know, I'm just saying Metallica or something like that, yeah. they can release the record, not go through any of these streaming services, put it on their site. They got millions of fans. They go and yeah. buy the record. They make money. Yeah. So it seems like the, the, the new artists always get screwed somehow, whether it was back in the heyday when you signed this horrible record deal. And right, right, right. Well, now that you have this new thing we're streaming and you can't make any money. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. So, so it's, it's wrapped in a different paper. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So I, I can't avoid. So I want to I want to keep on this topic, but you, you just made me think of something pretty funny. You've mentioned Frank and uh, Dweezil. Um, what popped in my head when you mentioned Frank, I spent about eight or nine hours with Amit in L.A. in a limo and the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> oh, that must have been funny. He's a character, right? Yeah, he was the character. Yeah, yeah, with a bunch of other people at um, an album release party uh, from there was an MTV VJ who was about a thousand feet tall. He was some guy who was he was like six six, and I went to the 
Playboy Mansion for an album release party wow. with Ahmed Zappa and a handful of other people. But anyway, so I just it just popped in my head. So that's funny. Yeah, that must so, be that must be a nice story. <laughs> it's, a story. it's a fun story. Um, but but back to what you're saying, you know, a, a lot of thoughts about about what you're talking about with streaming. My first thought is you're talking about it. If we go back thousands of years, right? Artists, whether they're they're painters or musicians or poets or what have you, like you, they're creating their art simply to satisfy that internal artistic need to create, right? Yeah. And and part of me wonders if if the robbing artists like you of the ability to make money out of the simple act and the complicated act of creating and disseminating art maybe makes it more pure. Maybe. Yeah, I no, I know what you're saying. It's it's true. I mean, there, there's you know, there's that's the I don't know. I, I'm just, I, I, you know, I play guitar, but I consider myself, that's just my instrument of choice. I, I consider myself a songwriter. So okay. the thing is, so the thing is, if you could write a song and say, Hey, you know, I want to write a song that's, that's going to be, you know, hot to it, what's going on in the world today. And I'm going to solicit the radio and come up with something to me. That's not, that's like, it soils the integrity a, of it right away. It's, hor it's horrible. Yeah. yeah. I, um, so the cool thing I think about my music is, and I think, you know, a lot of instrumental, I think the cool thing about instrumental is it's kind of, it's a universal thing. So you don't have to have a, yeah. you don't have to know the words. So, and someone in Italy, somebody in Sweden could listen yeah. to it, not worry about the vocals, but if they pick, you could pick up the feeling from it. Feelings, everyone has emotions and feelings. So I think it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of a cool concept. Yeah. And, and, you know, every so often um, someone, you know, taps into lightning in a bottle like i'm thinking like frankenstein right yeah yeah, yeah. you know and then um what what was jeff beck's most popular um i own the album i can't think of is really yeah off a of blow by blow probably yeah 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 i can't but every so often and i think it, it, it it's a higher task because you can't um sort of take a shortcut by um, grabbing um, an, an easily memorizable refrain. Uh, I'm thinking uh, Queen, um, another one bites the dust, right? Yeah. Like, you know, another one bites the dust, boom, you know, and, 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 and Freddie could do that, right? But you have a harder task because you have to take a look at your guitar. You know, you've got your six, maybe seven strings. You've got 20 to 24 frets. And you got to figure out a way to, to combine those to come up with something that's that's emotive and memorable, and you you can't lean on words. Yeah, to do that. So that that that's a that's a high level task, I would think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the the cool thing the, the cool thing about it is I kind of I kind of have my own process and and uh, that it gets easier and easier that, you know, when I, when I kind of go with students and I t tell them to try and do this kind of thing, sometimes thing that, that I come up with it. And then I kind of hold in on that and try and write something that, that with, from the inspiration. So, like I could give you an example on the on yeah. the on the new record. The new record has a lot to do with uh, 
the last couple of years of my life, I, I lost both of my parents. Oh, so uh, a lot of the inspiration comes from the process of dealing with all that. So yes. there's one there's one song called Life is Precious. And uh, I basically came up with that, the, the melody and the, and the title from like being with my father when he was in the hospital. I was in there a lot with him. And, you know, I we would, you know, maybe they were they were wanted to do something else to try and help him. And, I, you know, I was the I was like uh, the, the, the person that they went to. I forgot the term, but they they would my approval they had to get. You so, you were the healthcare power of attorney. Yes, yeah. You, so they were. So you're being I, interviewed by a lawyer right now, so I know these things. So yeah. So, no, so they sorry were, you had to be in that position. Oh yeah, you know, but I I he my, he wanted it that way, so it was good. So okay. Uh, okay. you know they 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 would come to me and they'd say, "Listen, we want to try this." So I would go to my father, "Hey, you know," and I was straight with them, you know, and I would say, "Dad, listen." they're going to have to do they're going to have to go into your leg and try and up, open up the vein if they don't do that you know it's probably going to get infected and in the long run you know you're going to go into hospice and, and you're going to die so i said either we either we go that route or we go and we try and fix it i said what do you want to do and it was always be like he would say robert life is precious he says let's go let's go and try it and this this happened like a bunch of times where we had we would try this thing and i would say Dad, we could we could give up, or do you want to go? And he would always come back with that that phrase, so it stuck in my head. And wow. then that's that's what the song, you know, that's why I named the song that, and that was the inspiration. That's that's nothing short of beautiful. Oh, good thank you. Good, good for you. So, so I I love that. I love and you know I love that you pour that into your craft and your art. And and you know it's interesting. I'm looking to your right, my left, into that little case. And when you were trying to convey those feelings, those emotions, those thoughts, it makes all the more sense that you're not just picking one special effects box. Because if you're doing this without a vocalist to just simply say, I feel like this because of that, right? Because you could do that with lyrics. One can do that with lyrics. Right. You have to do it purely with the sound that comes out of your guitar and your amp and all that. So when I'm looking there and I'm probably seeing about 10 or 15 special effects boxes, you can pick a very specific tone or experiment with a few times and say, this, this one matches how I'm feeling in this song in this moment. Yeah. So yeah. That's the, sense. yeah. That, I mean, that's the cool thing about, uh, you know, nowadays where you're able to do the stuff, like I recorded the guitar part, everything wasn't recorded in here. All the guitars were so, I could like, you know, without having to worry about breaking the bank because of studio time, I could sit here yeah. and say, hey, this song, I want it to sound like this and how am I going to get it? And I could fiddle around, get the sound and then do the. And that's what's cool, I think, about the new record uh, is, is that there isn't like each song has its own vibe because there was yeah. different stuff used on it, which in the old days, I remember going in, you know, when we when I first my first two, three records because we were in a big studio and you had to pay, it would be like, I got a lead sound, let's do the leads for the for three mm -hmm. tracks. Every track, right. Now it's like, I get, I get to mess around. So in the, in the, at the end result, I think is, is, is a nicer. I wonder if studio, you'll know better than I, uh, are studios hurting these days? Because, you know, people can do what you do in a home studio with an Apple or whatever. Yeah, or whatever. I think, I think the, I, I think, uh, like in Manhattan, there was uh, Avatar Studios, which is a power station studio. They they ended up not doing too well, and I think Berkeley ended up buying them, and they're doing okay. like teaching through there. The Hit Factory, which is another big one in the city, closed. 
So I think some of the bigger studios, and this is just New York, so I'm thinking all around the country are closing, mm-hmm. but I think like, you know, for this platinum selling artists that sell a lot of money, they have the ability to go in like John Mayer still goes into the power station and he wants to record there, but he's right. got the, he's got the money. To is, that, is that by the way, the same studio where uh, Robert Palmer? Yeah. That's what he named the album after, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Making sure I have my history right. Okay. Yeah. It's a great studio. Oh yeah. That's very cool. And, and, and it's interesting because, you know, for how all of us can lament, you know, what's happening with, technology and social media and all that a lot of it is a great equalizer like you know i'm gonna look at you and guess that you're probably 41 42 am i close i i you're in the territory i don't i i hit my age after i turned 30 i said i i I was never going to be any older all right it's all good so i I, i'm an old fart compared to you Uh, i'm 57 if all goes well i'll be 58 pretty soon so you know, who would have thunk if you were my age, let's say, even your age, let's say, 25 years ago, who would have thunk that you could put out a product like you can put out in 2021 or 2022 with that level of sonic quality, basically free once you buy, you know, relatively modest equipment? Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, you could, you know, I, there are people who are recording movies on an iPhone. Yeah. You know, I mean, Apple tells us that. I don't know if it's really true, but that's what Apple says. And I'm afraid to contradict Apple and they might kill me. But <laughs> uh, but certainly if, if, if you have um, iMac is the standalone, what, what do they call the uh, the laptop? The i is it I, I, the Mac Pro. Mac Pro. That's my kids have that. All right. So if you have a Mac Pro, you know, you buy the right, the right software and, and a, a decent microphone and, you know, the effects you have. That's like two hours of studio time 25 years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you could put out a gorgeous product from a from a sonic point of view, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, you got to realize when you look back at, uh, the, you know, what the Beatles were recording on now is, you know, I got more technology right here at this little yeah. desk than they, they had. But it doesn't mean that that's that's a good thing either. <laughs> I know. The funny thing is, you know, I'll come back. I mentioned earlier, I don't know if it was before we chatted, um, before we started recording or not. We had Steve Conti on, um, who's a big New York guy, and he he was with the New York Dolls for years. I think he might still be with them. Um, Even we were talking about tape, right? You know, reel to reel. Do you have any thoughts about the amazing um, equalizing qualities of this digital technology now? Versus, let's go back. I mentioned way earlier the Kinks, right? So you know that the Kinks, we we all know, if they're slicing up speakers, if they're recording, they're using a tape. They're using a physical tape that, uh, I guess, a half inch, right? Right. So, so, do you have any views about you know sort of the 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 beauty of the imperfection of analog versus the perfection of digital? Yeah, I, I totally do. I mean, I my my first two records were done on uh was, was the the first one was done on a reel but it was a digital reel okay the second, the second one was done analog so, so what does a digital reel mean it so was like the, it was like digital? the right it was the first kind of uh it was a sony uh one of those big sony machines and it had a reel on it um 
but the second one was was analog so i i do know the difference and i do think there's a difference yeah um and the thing, you know, the, the weird thing about, you know, the funny thing about you bringing this up is like today, like, like I was going to do maybe try and do like a vinyl pressing because everyone's into the vinyl, but it's very expensive. But, I bet, uh, yeah. People now like are going crazy for this vinyl, but they, you don't realize is that you, they're taking a digital. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like you're listening to a CD, but you're listening into it. It's not the same thing. If it wasn't uh, recorded and going through the analog equipment, it's not going to sound different on the vinyl. Yeah, yeah, that's a silly. That that that's a hokey proposition. Yeah. Now, now getting you know, uh, um, if you were to go into the studio with a tube amp and a tape recorder in analog and press a vinyl out of that, that's a different animal. That's 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 what you would get a nice sound. I mean, this. I mean, I have a I have my old you know uh, vinyl player. My old you know, I still have my old albums when I was a kid. Yeah. I love listening to it. it sounds great. Yeah. And, and it's so funny because, you know, I, I have a, a, an old Denon turntable and, and I don't like it because it's too modern because it's only 40 years old. Like, you know, like, yeah. like I feel like that's not a real turntable because it was like late 80s. And I, I somehow feel guilty that, it, that it's not old enough. Right. But, um, yeah. Well, you know, but speaking of that, you know, it's, yeah. it's a weird thing. I, I'm, I, there's a, an engineer friend of mine, Ethan, that I actually just texted him this the other day. We, I was driving. I had a long drive uh, to Pennsylvania from New York, uh, okay. and I was listening to my my. It's the first time I I got the rec my new album on CD. So we were listening to it in the car, my wife and I, and I was listening to it. Sounds great, and everything. And then we put on the radio. And like some older stuff started to come on, like from the 80s, some 70s stuff, listening to it. Right. And I was listening, after listening to my, C, my CD, and I was like, you know, the, 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 you know, there are some differences that are pretty cool with the digital stuff. Like, for instance, I was noticing that, like, when you put on older music and you listen to the drums and you listen to the bass and the guitar and then the vocals, the vocals are sort of like on top and then... Everything else is sort of kind of mushy when you compare okay. to it to a new CD. So like when you listen to a new CD, like I, I knew this because I was listening to my own songs and I was like, hmm, is the, is the hi-hat like loud enough? But you know what? You could hear the hi-hat. You could hear each time. You could hear everything like perfectly. And then when you put on an old recording, you only kind of hear the hi-hat a little bit because it's so yeah, mushed in. Yeah. So it's it's a different animal. So the new technology, it's like you could hear every single thing. Yeah. So I mean, there's some cool stuff to that as well. Yeah, and and, and what none of us want to become are, are, are those who reject the positive technological developments out of this sort of stubborn adherence to what we had when we were kids. You know. Yeah. You know, I don't like that either because you know. You know, you, you become old and irrelevant if you refuse to embrace something new that's good, right? Yeah, I'm, listen, I to, I totally agree with you. Like, I, I say this a lot, like a lot of people, like I am like an old school, I had an old Marshall, I still have my Marshall uh, 69 that I got from somebody, cabs with original greenbacks in them, and I got those heads here and stuff, but I embrace the, the, the modeling amplifiers and stuff yeah. like that. I mean... I, I always like I told I said this to a friend and I was like, just think, you know, Jimi Hendrix, like an electric laid land. He was so into the, the studio and coming up with new stuff. 
You think that if Jimmy Hendrix was alive now, he wouldn't be in take advantage of the new right. technology? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's a stupid attitude to have. Oh, I only play two yeah. amps. Why? Right. <laughs> and, and I will say that on some weird sentimental level, I, I am I'm partial to tube amps, but you know what? Give me anything modern that's recorded digitally on some amp that's purely solid state. I'll still enjoy the music every bit as yeah. well. You yeah. know, and maybe more, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, it comes back to what we started with is that you're going, you as an artist and as a recording artist, you will you will have an idea, you will feel an emotion, you will have a thought, and you will you'll come up with your title. And then you will emote that through a song you write and perform. And whatever best allows you to communicate those feelings, it could, you, could, you could have on one tune, you could say, you know what, I'm going to use my old boogie um, tube amp on part of it. And I'm going to just go right into the board for my lead because that'll sound better and convey the way I feel better. Right. You know, it's whatever make, allows you as an artist to best communicate how you feel. Right. I, I agree with you. Yeah. It, it, it's all good stuff. <laughs> um, so let me say this. Um, we're sort of, it, it's so funny because I told you this before we started recording. Feels like 10 minutes. We're going almost an hour already. And it, <laughs> it feels like 10 minutes. But my barometer is this. Uh, I'm just taking tiny sips because it's so delicious. I don't want to use it up yet. Cheers. Very nice IPA here. But there we go. Oh, whoop. I gotta go backwards. The camera goes backwards. Um, <laughs> but um, I, you know, one of the things on my long list for, you know, we'll have to come back someday. We'll do another re interview if you'd like. Um, you're yeah. an endorser, and you've got Ibanez, and you've got DV Mark. Yeah, it is. I, I don't know DV Mark as well, and I'd love you to explain that to us. But Ibanez, to start with, they're a big deal. Like to to get an endorsement deal with Ibanez, first of all, I think speaks a lot about you. And secondly, just sounds like a great opportunity for you through your music to to help build their brand. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm lucky. I, I you know I'm lucky to to be involved with with all the companies that I've been with. Uh, you know, I'm I'm I don't consider myself the normal uh, guitar player that a lot of people that a lot of people are this way when it comes to endorsements is everyone wants to like, if you see a lot of people jump around from the equipment company to the equipment company, yeah. I've been as I've been with them this year, it's actually 30 years. I've oh my God, really? Dawson, 30 years. Diodario, they're the same way. Demarzio pickups, 30 years. Oh, you got Diodario? Yeah, yeah. Oh, for, oh, all, all these all these companies I've been with. So the, to me, I like this equipment before I was endorsed with them. So that's my my thing is- And you have Demarzio too, you said? Yeah. You know, they, you're taking me back to, to my high school days. Some of my best guitars, DiMarzio. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. So, I mean, I liked the stuff, you know, that that was the stuff that I liked. And then to be able later to end up getting an endorsement with them, is like, that's like the icing on the cake. You oh, know my God. I mean? It's like, I mean, you, you start a guitar, you know, you're, I guess, 11. I think you said when you started, you're playing yeah. guitars, you're, you're buying um, Diodario strings, you're, if you're lucky, you have DiMarzio pickups on at least some of your guitar. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, we want you to endorse us. You know, that's that's really cool. No, it's a big deal. I mean, I'm 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 actually I'm really happy. And you know what it says to me, it says a lot about the the companies because you know, I, like I said before, it's not like I'm like, you know, a, these this big artist that's you know 
you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an, a, you know, an independent artist, and these companies support all different levels of hey. musicians, which is a, is a really good thing. That's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Well, I got to tell you, this has been a lot of fun. I, 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 I love the process here of getting on our guitar tale show of getting to meet really nice, interesting people. And you sure as hell fall in that category. <laughs> thanks. Thank so, you so much. Thanks um, for having, thanks for having me. Thanks to Scott for hooking it up with us. Yeah, I, absolutely. You know, I, I'm an asshole now. I forgot to mention Scott Katarmas is Stengel for connecting us. Our <laughs> wonderful publicist who is also uh, the guitar player for the smoking jackets and our dear friends at Riverview studios. So Rob Balducci, Rob Balducci.com. Or just look up Rob Alducci on Facebook. I'm going to guess you're on Instagram. Maybe you're not. Yeah. yeah. All right. Instagram, uh, Spotify. Just put them in your browser. You'll find them. And you'll find, more importantly, you'll find really amazing stuff. So uh, we're going to sign off right now. But this is Dave Cohen on Guitar Tells. We've had a great time. We'll have more wonderful programming for you. Everybody have a great night and be safe. Thank you.